My, my, my. Feels good in the house. Church, I'm thankful for an anointed praise team. I enjoyed being able to be down here and listen to these guys. Tremendous, tremendous job, guys. Thank you very much. Y'all may be seated for just a moment. It's good to be here tonight. Good to have friends and family with us. Amen. From up north. Good to see you guys. Many times when we have traveling evangelists come through, they will say, if they're able to have their family with them, they'll say, it's good to have my family with me tonight. Well, I'm not traveling, but it's still good to have my family here tonight. I am blessed. I am blessed that my family is in the house. Amen. Amen. Well, this will be the last night that Pastor is out for the prison ministry. He will, they will be flying back Tuesday morning early. And they, he told me that they should be here for Wednesday night's service. But tonight, the Lord has given us a word. Amen. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful that God still speaks to his people. Amen. I'm thankful for that. If you'll stand with me just for a minute for the reading of the word. I want to call your attention to the book of Deuteronomy. Two different sets scripture Deuteronomy chapter 2 and verse 7 says for the Lord thy God hath blessed thee in all the works of thy hand he knoweth thy walking through this great wilderness these 40 years the Lord thy God hath been with thee thou hast lacked nothing and in Deuteronomy 8 and 2 it says and thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God led thee these forty years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee to know what was in thine heart whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no if you'll give me just a few minutes I want to speak to you from the thought thirty-nine years eleven months and twenty and twenty-nine days 39 years, 11 months, and 29 days. Help me pray. Heavenly Father, we are here tonight. We're opening your word. We ask you for wisdom, Lord. I ask you for wisdom to speak your word, and I ask wisdom for all of us for understanding. We love you tonight, and we love your word. We're thankful for your presence, and we pray, God, that it would fill this house. In Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all may be seated. The story of the Exodus is a type and shadow or a parallel of our Christian walk. The children of Israel had been living in Egypt for quite some time when they began to be put into bondage. We can draw several comparisons from their experience. 
whether you have grown up in church or have come to know the truth later in life. Whatever your situation is, we have to know, and we have to know that we know. Philippians 2 and 9 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. The book of Exodus starts out in chapter 1, verse 1. Now these are the names of the children of Israel which, come into, which came into Egypt. Every man in his household came with Jacob. Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. Pretty impressive heritage. Amen. These are the 12 patriarchs of the Old Testament. It's a pretty impressive heritage for the children of Israel to lean on in times of trouble. Sister Ashley is about to have a baby, a little baby girl. And when that baby needs advice, as she gets a little older, she'll be able to lean on mom and dad. And she'll be able to lean on Nana and Papa Miracle. And even hear stories about a great-grandmother, Letty, as well as other relatives. Church, it's imperative that we give our children a heritage that they can lean on. Amen? We've got to teach them that God still heals. God still delivers. God still moves in their lives. God still hears the prayers of His people. And God still fills with the Holy Ghost. And they've got to know, they've got to know that when they hear mom and dad praying, that it's going to move, move things in the Spirit. It's going to change things. And they've got to know that they can hit an altar. There are things that happen right here that are life-changing. Absolute life-changing. And they've got to know that he still fills with the Holy Ghost. Now I'm going to give a definition, and I want to see if anyone can guess the word. This is the interactive part where I know y'all aren't falling asleep. Amen. But the definition is a regular course of procedure or habitual or mechanical performance of an established procedure. It's a simple word. Can anybody guess the word? Did you say routine? Routine is the word. Routine, a regular course of procedure or a habitual or mechanical performance of an established procedure. Many people have a routine. Many people have a daily routine. I have a daily routine. In the evenings, right before I go to bed, I make sure that everything's laid out for the next day. I do not like to have to search for things at 6 o'clock in the morning. All my clothes are laid out. Everything in the bathroom's laid out on the counter where I can get to it. I don't have to go searching for anything. I know where everything's at. I know where my keys are. So there's no searching for anything. In verses 6 and 7 
of Exodus, we see that God is fulfilling his promises to the forefathers. Verse 6, it says, And Joseph died and all his brethren and all that generation. And verse 7, And the children of Israel were fruitful and increased abundantly and multiplied and waxed exceeding mighty and the land was filled with them. So God was blessing Israel. They were growing in number. They were being fruitful, becoming exceeding mighty, what the Bible says. They had been there 400 years, and the Bible says that the land was filled with them. So I guess you can say that they had a pretty good routine. They were going about their daily lives, and they were doing really well. Then we get to verse 8, and verse 8 is about to mess with that routine. Verse 8 says, Now there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. There are people in the community that have a great respect for our pastor because of what he stands for. And they may not necessarily have a relationship with God. I personally have been shown respect by non-church people because they know what I stand for and they know that I don't participate in certain activities. And I'm sure many here have been shown some of the same respect. Verse 8 says that the new king knew not Joseph. Now, I don't believe that the new king had never heard of Joseph. I think he had probably heard of him because Joseph was a major character in Egyptian history. But what it was, he had no respect. No respect for Joseph, no respect for what he had, what he had done, no respect for any of the customs that he had set up, and no respect for the people that followed those customs. He realized, although he, he had no respect for the children of Israel, he realized that Israel was mightier, and he needed to deal wisely with them. Now, I'm not sure how the word wisely translates into slavery, but that's what he did. That's what he had on his mind. Church, just like the new king that had no regard for Israel came into power over them, sometimes we can be going through our daily routine, going through our daily walk, and we come to, come to find out there's a new spirit that set itself up against us. There's a new thing that, that we haven't felt before. There's a new thing that's coming against us. There's a new thing that's hindering our walk. We've got to be sensitive to that. It doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care what your background is or where you came from. It doesn't care what your name is. It doesn't care anything about your heritage. It's only there to mess you up. And we've got to be sensitive to that as we go about our daily routine. Does anyone have hamsters anymore? When I was growing up, half the people I knew had hamsters. And they were in a little cage and they would go through these little tubes. And they would barely fit. You know, they'd go in, come out the other side. And that's all they could do. They could only go where the tube would allow. We can't allow our daily walk to become like a hamster tube. Amen. Entering in the same place, taking us to the same spot getting out at the same place, just going through the daily thing, the same thing, every day, the same thing. Now Israel had become slaves in their own homes. 
taskmasters had been set over them to make their lives miserable. Now, remember, they had grown in such a way that they outnumbered the Egyptians. And the new thought process was, if they could make life miserable for Israel, they would stop having babies. They wouldn't want to bring a baby into the world in slavery. Church, we cannot let the enemy make us think that our lives are miserable. Have you ever been around people like that? Everything's a downer. Everything's a negative. I actually run into someone recently that, that used to come here, and it, every single thing, I, when I left that little meeting, I thought, man, i got to go pray because I didn't know if the world was going to end or what. But we can't have a negative attitude about everything. If we have a negative outlook on everything, it has the same effect that the Egyptian king had on the Israelites. If the enemy makes us think that our lives are miserable, we're not going to want to reproduce. And we're not going to reproduce having spiritual babies. Can you imagine one of these negative people doing a Bible study? Well, over here it says that Israel once again done evil in the sight of the Lord. I don't know why they even bother. But nobody wants to be around that. So the Bible tells us that Israel began to call upon the Lord in Exodus 2, 23 through 25. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. Now we can begin to see the plan of salvation from the book of Acts in the story of Exodus. It says their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. This crying out is a type and shadow of repentance. When we find ourselves in need of a Savior, we cry out to Him. And when we find ourselves in bondage, we cry out to Him. Then we can fast forward in the story where Moses was, has led them to the Red Sea. We see the foreshadowing of baptism. Exodus 14, this is a little bit of a longer reading. Exodus 14, 21, starting with 21. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground. And the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Can you imagine what they were thinking when they were walking through this? It's, a, it's an amazing story. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning watch the Lord looked unto the host of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and of the cloud and troubled the host of the Egyptians and took off their chariot wheels that they drave them heavily so that the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, Stretch out thine hand over the sea and 
that the waters may come again upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and upon their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared, and the Egyptians fled against it, and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. And the waters returned and covered the chariots, and the horsemen, and all the host of Pharaoh came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. But the children of Israel walked upon dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall unto them on their right hand and on their left. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. And Israel saw that great work which the Lord did upon the Egyptians. And the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Israel went through on dry ground, but Egypt, which represents sin and bondage, was wiped out by the water. Not even one Egyptian was left. Now Israel was promised a land flowing with milk and honey. And they were on their way to possess it. And of course in the New Testament we are promised the gift of the Holy Ghost. Which gives us power and will lead us into all truth. Our end goal, no matter what, should be to make heaven our home. We're all different and have different giants to kill different obstacles to overcome, and many personal battles to win. But we must keep up the good fight. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6 and verse 12, Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life, whereunto thou art also called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. We're all wanting to make it to our promised land. Amen. That'll be a glorious day. An amazing day. Something we could never imagine. Amen. And sometimes the journey here gets pretty rough. But you know what? We have two advantages over the children of Israel. We have grace and we have the Holy Ghost. How in the world could we not make it if we've got grace and we've got the Holy Ghost? It's like God saying, I'm going to give them just a little extra to, to help them make it. Amen. Grace and, and the Holy Ghost, my goodness. My, my, my. We've had five different ministers with five different messages over the last five services, and they've all complimented each other. I love it when messages like that happen, when they come in and they all flow together. Brother May started us off with, don't let go. Brother Wade came in and told us we needed to be way farther out than just ankle deep. We needed to have it saturate us. Brother Rimmel emphasized prayer. This morning, Brother Jay encouraged us to stay the course. And he told us to keep on keeping on. And he asked the question, are you in God's will or not? And I'm here tonight to encourage you to not give up. Don't give up. There's a story of a gold miner. He was looking for gold. And he went out and he found a, a little place to stake his claim. And he started digging. And he dug and he dug and he, he finally found a, a found some gold. 
So he covered it up, went home, raised the money for the equipment that he needed to go even deeper. So he got the money, he got back, he got the equipment, started digging. He found gold, and he was digging. He, f he made enough to cover his debt, but that was about it. He really didn't have any profit. So he got discouraged, and he gave up. And a junk dealer came along, and he sold all of his equipment to a junk dealer for, I'm sure, pennies on the dollar. Well, the junk dealer, after the guy left, hired a, an engineer to come in. He said, I need, a, I need your opinion on this. And the report came back, and he says, yeah, you need to keep digging. So the junk dealer wound up going into the gold mining business, and in another three feet, he hit a, a major vein of gold. Three feet. The guy give up three feet too soon. Amen. Now I'm going to bottom line this thing. Musicians, come on up. Bottom line. Routines are good in a general way. In a general sense, routines are good. We've got to have a daily relationship. We've got to have a prayer life. And we need to be at church whenever possible. But inside of each one of these, we can't be so routine that it becomes a ritual. If we're doing the exact same thing each and every time, saying the exact same words in the same order, we're just checking off a to-do list. We need to be growing in every single aspect of our walk with God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Now, I want to put a little perspective on this. The first time Moses was told to strike the rock to get the water, they were about a month and a half out of Egypt. Approximately two years after they left Egypt is when they arrived at the Promised Land. It was at that point they were told that they couldn't go in. They had to wander 38 more years because of their disobedience and distrust or lack of faith. You see, it was in the 40th year that Moses struck the rock and came up short. It was the 40th year that Moses struck the rock out of anger. He wasn't allowed into the promised land. We can't give up after 39 years and 11 months and 29 days. You've come too far to turn and go back now. Amen. I wish we knew that song. You've come too far. People have the attitude, well, it worked yesterday. I'll just keep doing the same thing over and over and over. We can't be caught up in a monotonous routine when God is wanting us to come up a little higher. Amen. Let's stand tonight. We're going to pray for a little bit. But I'm, I'm challenging everyone tonight. Let's take it up a notch in our personal walk. Amen. I know pastor's not here, but if he was here, he would amen me on this. Church, we need more people in the altar before service praying. 
We need more people here before service in the altars. We need to kick it up a notch. There's a lot of people depending on us, the community, this area. We're all a part of the body. Amen. We're all a part of the body. And we, we need to grow. We need to grow with each other. Amen. But we can't be caught up in a monotonous routine when God is wanting us to come up a little higher. Let's come and pray tonight. Take me to the place where your peace and your